This is Gulf Coast Live from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. After a two-year legal battle, a settlement has been reached requiring the Florida Department of Health to release COVID-19 data the agency withheld from the public during the height of the pandemic. The nonprofit public records watchdog organization, the Florida Center for Government Accountability, and former State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith fought for release of the information through Florida's public record laws. Smith's initial request for the data came in July 2021 while he was serving on the House Pandemic and Public Emergencies Committee. The month prior, Governor Ron DeSantis's administration restricted the release of COVID-19 data, shifting from daily updates to its online COVID dashboard to providing only weekly reports as DeSantis opened Florida for business and as the Delta variant was spreading throughout the state. At the time, the Delta variant was bringing a third wave of coronavirus to Florida and hospitalizations in the state were rising dramatically, straining the medical community's resources. During a portion of the legal battle, the Department of Health said in court that the requested records didn't even exist. That was a lie. Under the settlement agreement, starting October 28th, the state health department will be required to provide daily COVID-19 data online, including daily vaccination and case counts, as well as weekly death reports by county, age, gender, and race. The agreement also requires the department uh, pay plaintiffs legal fees totaling more than $150,000. Joining me now for a closer look at the legal battle, the settlement, and what it means going forward are plaintiffs in the case. We're speaking with Carlos Guillermo Smith. He's a former Democratic State House member who represented District 49 in the Orlando area. He holds the distinction of being the state's first openly gay Latino lawmaker, and he also made a name for himself through his advocacy work with Equality Florida, the state's largest civil rights organization advocating for the LGBTQ community. Earlier this year, he officially launched his campaign to represent Florida's Senate District 17 in the 2024 election. Carlos Guillermo Smith, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. All right. Well, we might have him with you or or we'll try and bring you back on. We're also joined by the director of public access initiatives with the nonprofit Florida Center for Government Accountability, Michael Barfield. He frequently lectures on Florida's public record statutes and is the immediate past president of the American Civil Liberties Union of Florida. Michael Barfield, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. And I just want to check and see if we have uh, Carlos Guillermo Smith back. I'm here, John. Thank you for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks. Um, I wanted to start with you, Carlos, and we could probably go back further than this, but I, I wanted to hear a bit about your experience serving on the Florida House Pandemic and Public Emergencies Committee back at that time. Um, you know, aside from this data, what do you remember overall about the committee's work? Did you feel good about it, or, or did the committee as a whole seem to take a, a politicized approach to responding to the pandemic from your perspective? Yeah, well, during my time uh, serving on the Pandemics and Public Emergencies Committee, we did some meaningful work, but unfortunately, so much of what happened in that committee was politicized. You know, they passed uh, legislation out of that committee that banned mask mandates that put restrictions on the ability of employers and local governments to be able to take steps to protect the health and safety safety of their workers. 
and their residents. But also while I was there, it was of paramount importance that we were always uh, standing up certainly for the health and safety of, of all Floridians. And, and so much of that work is related to upholding our sunshine laws in Florida, making sure that Floridians right to know, to have access to information that they can use to protect themselves and their families with informed decisions, I think is was a really, really critical part of, of our advocacy, certainly in the last couple of years. Okay. And so as I understand it, your initial request for COVID data, it came about a month after the health department stopped providing those daily updates online. And at that time, you weren't looking for statewide data, just specifically data that could help make informed decisions in your own district, correct? That's right. At the time, the Delta variant, unfortunately, was starting to rip through the state of Florida. Uh, We saw that as kids were going back to school in the early fall of 2021, my local school board, Orange County Public Schools, needed access to more detailed and more current information so that they could make informed decisions about what policies they were going to implement in our schools, whether they were related to masks or social distancing or other mitigation efforts. They really wanted more current, detailed information to be able to make those decisions, which is why we made a records request to the Florida Department of Health after uh, they had restricted more current and more detailed information. They refused to comply with my lawful request for COVID-related public health records, and so we sued them. How was that denial justified, or was it? Well, their justification uh, was they held or they 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 hid behind uh, a exemption which they often hide behind to try to deny health records, public health records specifically. Uh, I know that Michael Barfield, can probably speak more articulately to exactly what that exemption was, but they were just giving us excuses for why they didn't want to provide the data because providing the data would likely not fit the political narrative they were pushing at the time, which is that the that that they were minimizing the threat of this deadly virus and they were doing everything to promote this idea that Florida is open, it is safe, and you don't have anything to worry about. You don't need any additional information. Yeah, Michael Barfield with the Florida Center for Government Accountability, pretty soon after your organization filed its own similar request, got that same denial. And I imagine this is the point where you and Mr. Smith uh, joined forces. It is. And um, it was a it was a, a pleasant joining of forces. But I have to say I was somewhat intimidated by the fact that if a then state representative who sat on the House Pandemics Committee couldn't get access to these records, um, how are we going to accomplish it? And so uh, but at the, the bottom, uh, we we said this is information that should be released. The public needs to know about this information. They, they being the department, had 
released this information up until June 1st of 2021, when the information restriction blackout started, which coincided uh, with Governor DeSantis, uh, we're going to open Florida back up. And we don't think that was a coincidence between those two hmm. events. We decided to go to court to enforce the public's right to know. And a bit later in this court battle, you urged the court to require a Department of Health official to give a deposition that could provide some insight just into what was behind their decision making. And the health department fought that effort with a request for a protective order to prevent the deposition. A Leon County Circuit judge denied that request. Then something kind of bizarre happened. Michael, how did the department respond when appealing the ruling? Well, they filed two motions for protective order. Both were denied by the trial judge, Judge Cooper. And uh, then they waited until the very last day uh, before they had to comply with Judge Cooper's order to file an emergency certiorari petition in the, in the appellate court. And so that's where things got derailed even further. Um, and they had a kitchen sink approach in the appellate proceedings that repeatedly stating these records don't exist. And even if they did exist, they're subject to this statutory exemption uh, because the Surgeon General has determined that the release of that information was not in the interest of public health. And we challenged all of those assertions. And finally, in October of last year, the appellate court in a published opinion ruled against the department and awarded those attorney's fees as well. And so then another delay happened, a delay of five months that they, again, being the department, claimed was necessary to uh, retrieve all of the records that we had demanded uh, that the department produce uh, to comply with Judge Cooper's order. And that first production occurred in March of this year. Since that didn't come until March, was there a point prior to that when you maybe thought about giving up the fight? Or were you always confident these records exist? I was very confident that the records existed because um, we went to the trouble of exhaustive research into the department's record-keeping practices and its obligations under both state law and federal law. I even curled up next to the department's software manual for its Merlin database system uh, every night for probably a month to understand just how the department collects records and um, where, where they go. And then we took several depositions of their key officials, all of whom denied that these records existed. But here I had this software manual and other uh, evidence indicating that they in fact did. So yeah, I, I didn't think I was crazy. Um, and eventually uh, sticking it out, um, even though I'm not a patient person when it comes to production of public records, uh, we, we prevailed at the end of the day. 
All right. Well, let's talk specifically about what is in the terms of this settlement. What does it require the state health department to do? And and let's start with specifically what residents sh- should expect to be able to access starting October 28th. So the settlement agreement requires the department to publish, uh, you know, the COVID case counts, positivity rates, hospitalizations, deaths, vaccinations, uh, by county, uh, with age, uh, gender, ethnicity, uh, demographic information, no personally identifying information, of course, we want to respect and we do uh, respect privacy rights, uh, on its Florida Charts website, which is where all reportable disease has been reported by the department for a number of years. And so that requirement uh, will will go into effect on the 28th or 9th uh, of this month, a couple of weeks away. And they're obligated to do that for three years. We hope that they will continue even after three years. And if not, we will uh, consider bringing them to, to uh, task on their obligations to keep the public informed about public health emergencies. Michael, does the settlement address the backlog of daily data the health department stopped providing back in June of 2021? Uh, no, but we have that data and we are going to publish uh, as much as uh, we have received from the department, which was approximately 25 gigabytes of, of data. Okay, so a huge amount of information. It's going to take some time to, to analyze this. this. This is going to be a developing story. Yes, uh, I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, I, I don't think uh, uh, Representative Smith is, and although we've learned quite a bit about how COVID data is collected, um, and uh, so hopefully the professionals, by releasing that information, they'll be able to analyze what was going on during that information blackout that started in, in the summer and fall, continued into the fall uh, and, and since then in 2021? And, and how did that impact uh, the number of deaths and the surge that occurred when the Delta variant hit? Uh, so we're, we're excited to make that data available so we can get some answers about those very important questions. And and I'm sure you're both aware of the Department of Health's response, but for listeners who may just be catching up, I'll note a Health Department spokesman, James Williams III, uh, called your statements in the media release announcing the settlement, uh, Mr. Smith, a political stunt. He notes that the department never stopped reporting data to the CDC, and he wrote, quote, it is unfortunate that we have... Uh, have continued to waste government resources arguing over the formatting of data with armchair epidemiologists who have zero training or expertise, end quote. Um, Carlos, I'm curious (laughs) about your response to this accusation concerning the political (laughs) motivation specifically. Listen, that's, that's not even a serious response. The reality is, is that they were caught red handed lying to the judge about the existence of these records. They consistently uh, withheld and restricted this information 
during the Delta surge, when 23,000 Floridians died from COVID-19, you know, not only did they restrict that information, they downplayed the lack, the, the, well, they downplayed the, the severity of the surge so that they could fit their own political narrative and help DeSantis run for president. There were many times during this uh, two-year-long legal battle where it may have occurred to me that it's not worth fighting or that we should give up. But ultimately, we persisted. We persisted and we held them accountable. And we won by protecting the public's constitutional right to know. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you know, to your point about this being on an ongoing pattern, I, I could point to reports just about eight months into the pandemic that Florida health officials were obscuring the true extent of the pandemic with a formula for calculating the positivity rate that gave this misleadingly rosy picture. Now, the positivity rate, as you'll remember, was being used as a vital metric for all kinds of organizations when making decisions about what they could safely do. And the formula the state was using excluded anyone who had tested positive in the past, even though people with previous negative tests were still included. So there was this, you know, these are fundamentally different variables. Um, Again, I'm one of those armchair epidemiologists so I'll quote USF epidemiologist Dr. Jason Salami in a statement he gave the Sun Sentinel about that, saying, this is not a real percentage because you're using non-identical variables. It's like dividing ice cream cones by shark attacks, end quote. And I, I just bring this up to note that while, yes, the settlement is a victory for the people of Florida, are you concerned about whether the state health department will keep up with what the settlement requires them to do given their demonstrable history of skewing data well before the legal battle began. Well, I'm, I'm concerned, but it's why we have to remain vigilant in holding them accountable to this settlement agreement, which we certainly plan on doing, and that we hold them accountable for future violations. Look, the reality is, is that m- governments know that most folks don't most everyday folks don't have the resources that are needed to challenge a government when they violate public records laws. That's why I was so grateful and so fortunate to have been able to partner with the Florida Center for Government Accountability to be able to hold the DeSantis administration accountable for violating those sunshine laws and violating our constitutional rights. You know, they, 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 always talk about the constitution. They always talk about how uh, they are following their oath that they took when they got into public office to protect and defend the constitution. I took the same oath when I was sworn in as a member of the Florida House of Representatives. And the reality is, is that our constituents and all Floridians are entitled under Article 1, Section 24A of the Florida Constitution to public records. And it's going to be our job and certainly my priority to hold them accountable to that standard. And Michael Barfield, Mr. Smith just brought up a great point. You know, your average citizen isn't going to have the time or the financial resources to mount uh, you know, a legal campaign like like you were just able to do. Um, and, you know, being 
an expert on, on Florida, you know, in the sunshine laws. The state's known for having strong public record laws that favor transparency. But is this also in a way a kind of a, a testament to a weakness in those laws? Well, we are definitely in for a challenge for, for a couple of reasons. And most notably, that the current administration uh, uh, takes a, 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 a abysmal view on at transparency and access to public records. To call this a political stunt and a waste of resources, uh, I think they were talking about themselves. The stunt was to hide records from the public and the waste of resources is the amount of money they had to pay our attorneys as well as their own to, uh, to fight that transparency. But you're, you bring up a very important point and this is where the center for government accountability comes in, I think. Uh, our mission is to help citizens and journalists get access to public records. It's an expensive process these days. Uh, we depend solely on private donations to fund our mission, to go carry out those battles like we did in this case. And uh, the average citizen doesn't have $152,000 to fight state government or city hall. But we do, and we will continue to carry that battle. Um, and and we will... Uh, uh, be keeping a close eye on the department to carry out its duties under the settlement agreement. And I, you know, the importance of the right to know laws that exist, the constitutional right, it's the bargain that citizens get in return for consenting to be governed. Mm -hmm. We trust our state government and we give our consent to be governed, but the bargaining chip is accountability. And how do we exercise that accountability? Through our right to know. Exercising it and keeping a vigilant eye on uh, our public officials. All right. Well, that is about all the time we have for today's show. And I think a, a great note to end things on. I want to thank my guests. I've been speaking with former Florida State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith and Michael Barfield, Director of Public Access Initiatives with the nonprofit Florida Center for Government Accountability. Gentlemen, thanks for your time today and for your efforts to put a little more sunshine back in the sunshine state. Thank you, John. Thank you for having us. And to agree with Michael, open government is that's more accountable to the people it serves is a better government. So thank you for having us on the show. Thanks. Thanks, and if you, John. Thank you. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash GCL, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.